The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. guys, welcome to another episode of Empowered. You probably know of our next guest through the Keep It Cleaner movement. Laura Henshaw is a graduate of law and business and she has built a following via Instagram of almost 300,000 followers. She's often described as a sunshine in human form and I can attest to that after meeting her this morning. She radiates positivity and authenticity, which is why I feel she's built such an adoring community. In our conversation today, we chat how Laura and her business partner started Keep it cleaner, how she overcomes self-doubt, why she's so passionate about creating a community that focuses on health over what's on the scales and how she copes with her anxiety. Here's my chat with Laura. Welcome Laura to the Empowered Podcast. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So as we record this, Laura, you are in Melbourne, Victoria, and you're in your sixth lockdown. So I want to start the conversation before we dive into the other stuff with how are you and what's your day look like today? Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're in the sixth lockdown. I, I feel like it, it's more, almost more, I think we've been almost in lockdown more than we haven't been in lockdown over the past year. So it's kind of normal, I suppose now, which is a bit, a bit bizarre. Um, but today actually, so we just went into this lockdown a few days ago and we, I, I feel like because the last one before this was a week and then we kind of had about a week break with, you know, the kind of lockdown, but, but not really so much as we are now. And then we went straight back into it. So I feel like what's been quite hard with this one and the last one was they were really, I mean, they're obviously always unpredictable, but they were kind of short. So mm. we haven't had a lot of time to establish routine. And I think that's the, the you know, the key to getting through lockdown is getting into a routine, especially with working from home, finding a space where you're productive and just getting on top of things. And I feel like with the last lockdown, I didn't really get to do that. And then I, we just got into the swing of things, you know, with a week of yeah. week back in the office and then we're back here. So yesterday for me, it's, talking today, the sun's out in Melbourne. I went uh, for a run this morning, I listened to your fantastic podcast with Victoria Devine, which I absolutely loved and made me feel so inspired and, and happy. So I feel, and I, now I'm talking to you. So I, I feel really good right now. But I think if you had have asked me yesterday, I felt pretty shitty yeah. and a bit demotivated. I'm quite a motivated person naturally, but mm-hmm. I feel through the lockdowns, I've definitely felt, especially last year in the long one probably the lowest I've ever felt in my life. And I think when you're not used to feeling sad and down and kind of that drive, I just haven't, I didn't have it last year, which I'm so used to having it. It's a part of me. Um, It it is, it it is a hard feeling because you just, you really don't feel like yourself. Yeah. And I feel like you, you have yourself personally have been engaged and have had the heartbreaking revelation three times over, maybe four times, you've set your fourth date for your wedding. Um, I saw your beautiful yes. proposal <laughs> pictures. I was like, oh my gosh, such a dream. And, you know, there is so much um, logistics of family and financial outlay uh, that you guys would have had to experience with that. So how are you feeling coming up to November, your fourth date set? Well, I mean, it's one of those things that's so funny. I've actually been engaged for three, nearly three years now. 
which seems like a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I um, I, I feel like with with us with the wedding, I mean, it's super unfortunate, and I think it's important. What I was trying to you know work through with myself was that last year when we got cancelled for the third time, that was the hardest because actually it was this year. It was in Feb. We'd already planned everything, and we were three a week out, and we went into the lockdown it was the Friday and I remember I was just you know I I was crying because I was like oh my goodness you know we're a week away and the wedding you know we cancelled it it's it's been so hard on the wedding industry and the entertainment industry because you know the florists are buying all the flowers the the people the restaurants are buying all the food so we made the call to cancel it on the Friday even though it was a five-day lockdown um, because we just it was too risky for everyone to go and do everything and then to lose it all And then it was a crazy one of these lockdowns in Victoria, which we've never had before, where we actually come out after five days. That has never happened in Victoria, ever. So then on the Wednesday, we came out of lockdown and everyone was like, hey, Laura, so exciting. Like, are you still going to have your wedding? And I was like, I can't. (laughs) Everything's been cancelled and it's been postponed. Um, Anyway, so we are hoping for November. It's one of those things and, and I think a lot of people will probably relate to this with planning things in the future at mm. the moment. You think like in Feb when we planned for November, we thought, oh, absolutely November will be fine. We'll be through this. But with what we're going through right now, I mean, look at Sydney. They're in a lockdown that kind of Victoria were in last year mm. and we're reliving it. So I'm not really sure if it's going to happen in November and if it doesn't, I feel like it's the universe telling us you are not meant to have a full wedding. You are meant to go to the town hall and that is all. And that's probably more us really, to be honest. Like we're not, I don't know, I feel like planning a wedding for me has not been my dreams come true. It's been, I'm very grateful to be able to do it, but I hate organizing things for myself personally. Like life admin is just not something that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's kind of been, if, you know, I just, I don't think we have it in us to plan it again. But um, yeah, you would be exhausted. Yeah, but anyway, it's okay. It it is it is what it is. There's there's obviously people that have been so, so there's so many worse things that can happen. Um, and it's just a wedding, so it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think through all of this, it's so important to validate your own feelings as well because yeah, it's so so tough when you are looking forward to such a like a day that you know is so built up in so many lives and you see so many people go through it and it's that milestone. So I can completely empathise that, that that would be just exhausting and stressful and you know I think. I'm reaching my ninth wedding anniversary this October and although we had a lovely day, thank you, I think it's like there is a lot of emphasis on the wedding day but the years to come after that are, you know, if just as magical if not more magical. So I hope it happens though. I really do. I really hope it happens. Thank you. And, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get into a little bit about you, Laura, for any of my audience who haven't come across your page or haven't heard of Keep It Cleaner. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I am one of the co-founders of Keep It Cleaner. I founded Keep It Cleaner with my best friend, Steph Claire-Smith. Well, she's just been married and she's now Steph Miller, but if you if anyone listening might know her from social media, she's she's kept her 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 name from before she was married as her as her work name. So Steph Claire Smith. And we founded the business. Well, it actually started as as an ebook. So how long ago was it? It was about seven years ago now. I was studying 
law at university and I'm, I'm well, I've actually just finished it took me a very yeah. long time but I was doing a double degree bloody hell thank you <laughs> a double degree in business and law and I had deferred uni to go and model overseas and I was modeling on the side um which was you know an amazing I wasn't working a lot but it was a, a good income for compared to when I was working at a pizza restaurant or at Subway and, you know, earning $12 an hour. Mm-hmm. So I did modelling on the side and then I got the opportunity to go overseas, and which is why I had to, to defer university to do it. And, and I went over and Steph was also overseas at the, around the same time. She was in New York. And overseas, I grew, grew up pretty healthy. I loved sport um I was you know I had a really healthy balanced lifestyle and then I went overseas and and I realized that I was not the body that I needed to be to work over there Mm -hmm. and I think and I'm sure you're the same I'm a type a personality I'm extremely disciplined and so I kind of went into this mindset of you know I'm overseas I need to work to work I have to be this size so I'm going to do everything I can to get to that size which was extremely unhealthy and you know so horrible for my self-esteem my self-worth all I cared about was that number on on the scales which Mm. everyone I'm sure everyone knows listening from listening to your podcast that that is not something that is our self-worth or that we should even care about or even know I I don't weigh myself anymore Um, so at that time I had started a food blog because I was Firstly, I, I suppose because I was so used to studying all the time, I didn't know what I would do at night and in my time off. So I, and I'd always been passionate about healthy recipes. So I started sharing my healthy recipes through a blog. And then Steph, at the time, we were talking a lot because we'd both kind of been through these, you know, with this pressure and the international market is, is so different to Australia and so we were both struggling with the pressure of, you know, having to look a certain way and, and not not really being able to and then feeling down about ourselves. So when we both came back, we caught up and Steph said that she had a dream to make an ebook with me. And I, at the time, I had, it took me probably two years to build up the confidence to start my blog because I just thought that you know people would make fun of me they'd think like who do you think you are with a blog sure imposter syndrome kicking in yeah exactly right imposter syndrome kicking in and and you kind of think that especially the people I think that you come up through with high school and you know my work friends at the pizza restaurant and, and things they'd seen they'd always known me as a student so for me then to do something else I felt really uncomfortable doing that Anyway, so it took me two years to build up the confidence to even start that blog. And so when Steph said, let's create an ebook that we're going to sell, I was kind of like, you've got to be crazy. Like, I can't even believe that people come on this blog for free, mm-hmm. let alone pay Put- for recipes. And yes. Steph said, no, I think we can do it. Um, Steph had, I don't know how, I can't remember how many followers she had at the time, but she was one of the first to really grow on Instagram and, and start using it as a marketing tool mm-hmm. and identify that it was a marketing tool. And so people were always asking her what she was eating. And she says, you know, I think she said, I think there's a market here. So we came together and we created this ebook. We had no idea how to do it. We Googled literally how to make an ebook. Mm-hmm. It was at the time, seven years ago, ebooks were probably, I would probably compare them to podcasts now. They were all the rage. They were really popular. There was a, there was a lot of them, but um, people were really wanting them and, and there was a lot of demand for them. So 
we yeah we launched the ebook and it was a journey what we know now because now what kick is we 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 do all of our raspberry shoots properly and and everything we didn't know how to do it properly back then so looking back at what we did on our recipe shoot so when you shoot recipes you know you do 12 to 13 a day you have um people helping you to a food stylist to make it look good we had one day we shot 37 recipes for this ebook we had to shoot and food photography looks so yeah so much better in natural light you don't shoot it with a flash really you just don't we did because we had to shoot (laughs) from seven till seven so we didn't have consistent sunlight we used Mm -hmm. a fashion photographer we had to make the food I remember like some of the things because there was so much food to make I made it three days before so it looked revolting on the day oh, we shot no. because it was like three oh, days fresh. old right, anyway yeah. so <laughs> it definitely wasn't perfect but we launched it and it, it sold really well and and from there that's kind of where Steph and I realized that what we were putting out there and it was you know healthy recipes that tasted good and were easy to make it wasn't it, health at the time health and wellness is was not where it is at now it was very focused on kind of like organic, super expensive ingredients, you know, everything having to be from a health store. It wasn't very mainstream. And also it was really, really unachievable. And and we weren't that at all. We were super approachable recipes, easy to Mm -hmm. make. And I think people resonated with that. And then from there, we we launched a a website subscription, which was very basic. And we, we did that ourselves. And then we started working with a bigger company. And then from there, we then uh, started our app the app launched in November 2018 and so from there we've built our team which has been super exciting and, and a journey that I think Steph and I never thought that we would be going on the the ebook was absolutely a hobby to start with and, and now Keep It Clean has grown into this incredible community of of predominantly women we have in our community who with the Keep It Cleaner, our, our mission is to help people feel, you know, more confident in exercising and, and just become a little bit healthier and take small steps. It's not about a diet overhaul. We're really anti-diet. We don't speak about calories on, on the app. We have a dietitian who approves it. But I think because Steph and I came from a place where counting calories and, you know, exercising to extreme levels to look a certain way made us feel so horrible about ourselves we never, ever, ever wanted that to be Keep It Cleaner. We wanted Keep It Cleaner to be a safe place where people can come and, you know, move their body and have fun with it and not take it too seriously and have delicious, healthy, accessible recipes and, you know, meditate and focus on mental health as well. So it's it's amazing looking back at where Keep It Cleaner is today. I think if you asked me to kind of describe my wildest dreams five years ago, it would not have been something that I would have even thought was possible uh, for us to achieve so it's been yeah it's been an incredible journey and, and now we have a team of 15 and it's Steph and my so I just finished uni last year which I was doing part-time so it's a lovely relief to not have to do that at night anymore Imagine. and so Steph and I Steph's actually just had her first baby Harvey which is really exciting He's so adorable. she's kind of back yeah. a, f- a few days a week now but we're both uh, apart from the maternity leave that Steph's taking we're, we're full-time on Keep It Cleaner and it's you know, it's what we live and breathe now, which, yeah, we feel so lucky to be able to do. What an incredible story and one that I think so many people will feel relieved knowing that, you know, how you started and how you're explaining your first shoot and the inex- how in- inexperienced you were in creating it. But the fact that you went ahead and did it anyway, you had those all those kind of 
self-doubt and insecurities, whether it's I'm good enough or qualified enough or, um, you know, experienced enough with how I make it look like you guys took a leap of faith and did it anyway, felt the fear and did it anyway, so to speak. So you guys um, are such an inspiration to so many people who are thinking about dipping their toes into this space. I have so many questions from that last part of the episode. I want to go back to you cooking. Is this something that you have enjoyed doing from childhood or did you like as you went overseas and you were, you know, trying to live a healthy life, were you starting to experiment more? Where did that love come from? So uh, it's funny, if you ask any of my friends from high school and tell them what I'm doing now, they'd be like, how did that happen? Because I was literally in year 12, I remember I wasn't even trusted to cut a tomato. Like I would muck it up. <laughs> I was not <laughs> I was not good, um, good at cooking. And it's something, I mean, now I definitely, Steph and I, not, we always joke if we ever went on um, MasterChef or any of those shows, we would be kind of found out, but we're not that good at cooking. And that's, that's why all of our kick recipes are very basic and, and easy to make. But um, I did, I before my, I mean, when I started my blog, I was obviously sharing recipes. So they, I, I had to make sure they were of, good quality and they were mm-hmm. going to work for people. So I spent about two years experimenting. It was something that I was really passionate about. I think well, being at university, you obviously don't have, it's so different to school because you have way less hours mm-hmm. and, and and less to do, I suppose. And, and so while I was working at the same time, I needed something else to be an outlet and cooking and developing recipes kind of became that and I, and I really enjoyed it. So that that's where it came from. That's so cool. And I think, you know, it goes to show you don't have to be an expert at something to be starting in that space. And uh, I think it's really that that's a bit of a secret to your success that the recipes aren't designed for these professional chefs. So I think that's really cool. And I I love that it's that approachable. Um, I might need to sign up to kick after this because I'm I'm not the best cook either. We'll sign Um, you up. (laughs) Yes. yeah, okay. So with you and Steph uh, in the ebook, okay, so you're, this is around about seven years ago, and then a few years into it, a company comes and drops into your DMs or emails. What does that conversation look like to you and Steph? Are you like, uh, these guys are approaching us for to make us into this or to take us to the next level? Was that super exciting, super daunting, super scary? Yeah, I mean it was it was really exciting. I think by this stage, so we had the we had a website called Keep It Clean and we'd we'd done our trademarks, mm-hmm. which I feel like when you do your trademarks, you're like, we're a serious business now. Yeah. So Official. we we've done that and we had yeah, this website and it was something like six ninety five a month for three recipes and one workout. It was super basic. We just didn't have the resources and capabilities to to produce any more than that. And so having a company come to us and first of all, believe in what we were doing and Mm, see value in it and and think that it had potential to grow into an actual program. That was amazing for us. I think in in our time, Steph and I, our philosophy with with health and wellness is not about losing five kilos in five days. Uh, it's, It's not about weight loss at all. And so that unfortunately is harder to market. Because it's very easy to, you know, put a Facebook ad out there and say, if you try this, you'll lose this weight, as opposed to telling people that, you know, if you try this, you'll feel really good. People don't want to pay for how they're going to feel. 
But, well, that's what we thought, but we've always kind of stayed true to what we believe in. And so when this company came to us and kind of identified that, you know, our program or they could make a kind of a fully fledged program out of what we're doing and and our values and our belief system, it was super validating to think, you know, we've stayed true to who we are and they can see value in it. So that was, we, we stayed with them for one year. It was a huge learning for us. And I think the biggest thing for us in that experience is that we were the face of the program. We were as we kind of, I suppose, tried to be as a part of it as we could. Steph and I are extremely passionate about the business side of it. And I think that's where for us it was hard because, you know, the, the company had a huge team and they were doing all of the business stuff and we were kind of always on the outside. And so for us, we wanted to be a part of the business side of it. I think we both could have, we had this vision for where it could go and we knew that we could get it to where it could go. And so we decided after a year, we would go out on our own and launch the app. We had a website at the time. We didn't, we didn't have an app. So mm. that was probably the biggest risk we ever took. And probably to date we've taken, I think because we had to fully back ourselves and we didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, we'd been told by so many people that, and it was also hard because we were going from a team of 50 people that, you know, we didn't really know exactly what was going on to taking it out and just being like, okay, how do we make this work? Yeah. But we have, and it's been amazing. I think that for us was something that one thing that we did plan out was our financials. That was super important. Seth and I both have very similar, and I know with um, Victoria being on your podcast, your listeners would have heard her speak about money values and your money story. And Seth and I have very similar money values. Um, and so I think that's enabled us to be really, really good business partners, but also be able to take this risk together. And the one thing that we did was do a financial plan kind of for the next six to 12 months to ensure that by taking this jump, we still had funds to keep our company going and to, you know, to be able to hire team members because that's what we needed. Um, So that was really, really important to us. So we did take a huge risk, but it was also a calculated risk. And I think knowing that we were financially secure for the next six months was enabled us to take to you know take that jump and not stress so much about the financial side of it and be able to focus on building what we knew that we could. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine how exciting and also scary that would have been. You spoke about one of the values being that you and Steph have similar uh, money values has been really important in terms of having the business part. I imagine there would have been some really joyous times and like fun, exciting times to share with Steph because she's your best friend. But also, have you guys had to have really hard conversations as well and kind of process difficult times together uh, and have sometimes confronting conversations in order to be able to push through and move to the other side? How important is having vulnerable conversations with your best friend being business partner? Because it's almost like entering a marriage, you know, it's like same bank account, navigating a team, um, stress, like an enormous amount of stress sometimes. What are some of the things that you guys have had to lean on in your friendship and in your professional relationship to, to persevere? I think that's such an amazing question. And it's been, it's been pivotal having those conversations with Steph and, you know, being open and being able to, to be vulnerable and be ourselves around each other to where we have got to with Keep It Cleaner. I think, 
it's been a journey for us. I mean, we've been doing it. We've been working together for seven years now and we have developed so much individually and then together as well. And I think it's been really amazing to do that together. And I mean, where the past few years, I think the conversations have become more serious between them as the business has become more serious. So that's been really important because it is now both of our full-time jobs. We put 100% into it the stakes are higher you know if I were to turn around and say oh I just don't want to do this anymore I know that that has got huge repercussions obviously and I'm not going to do that obviously but you know on our team and and on Seth especially and and Seth's the same so I think it's the conversations have had to become more serious but that's you know that's okay that's what comes with growing a business Mm -hmm. and I think for us the most important thing is is having that communication and then always ensuring above everything our friendship is protected and looked after. Our friendship's like a plant, I suppose. We have to continue to keep watering it and and, and ensuring that, it, that it's healthy and, and flourishing because that is the core of why we work so well together. And, you know, in Seth being able to take, as a founder, it's very hard to step away from the business for a short amount of time because you, you know, you're like, I know it best. So how, how's it going to operate without me? And, and knowing that Steph has been able to step away and while she has come back quite quickly, but in the time that she was able to step away for maternity leave when she had Harvey and still now isn't, you know, is, is back in, in a part-time capacity, in knowing for me that Steph trusted me to, you know, and, and our team, our team's absolutely fantastic. There's no kick without our team, but Steph trusted me that I would make decisions in the business that would be for, you know, our line values. That was really special. And I think that's really important. And because we value our friendship so much, that's what enables us to do this. I, I think, I mean, as you know, running running a business, you come up against some um, idiots, <laughs> to put it, you know, you have, <laughs> uh, just to put it lightly, you, uh, when I say come up against, you kind of, you just, you, you, everyone you interact with does not have the same value system as you. And it's very important to, to know, to remember that and, and know that. And I think Steph and I have often gone into situations, which we've now learned from where we have always had the best interests of kind of everyone at heart, but in business, that's not how everyone operates. And so I think we've learned a lot from that. But knowing for me that, you know, no matter what, I might not be able to trust, you know, everyone, but I can trust Steph and my business partner and, and you know, my best friend with my whole life. It's it's absolutely invaluable. Yeah, the honesty, the trust, love that. So um, you spoke earlier about the campaigns that really feed on women's insecurities uh, mm. and how, and I, I just, my last episode was all about body image, all about how we we can be victims of, you know, these billion dollar organisations that feed off our body insecurities. How do you fight that? And how frustrated do you get when you see these campaigns prying on these women and feeding off their insecurities? Uh, I mean, it's so hard to see. I, I think one of the, the good things is the wellness industry has changed a lot and I think there's less of that than there used to be. People are less tolerant of it and people are, you know, calling yeah. calling it out when they see something that's preying on, on young women and, and their insecurities. I mean, there's obviously still a long way to go. 
But I think for me, thinking back to how, and this is kind of where everything stems from. It's obviously your experiences as, as a young person and, and things that have been your vulnerabilities. And for us, for Steph and I now, we have such a big platform ensuring that we are never, ever, ever making anyone feel that way. So when I think back to, you know, myself as a 19 year old, when I first started social media, it was, it was in made an account. I didn't have followers. It was a private account, but I, I started following, you know, people on there and it was very much the Kate Moss era of mm. it tastes, what was the saying? It was like skinny tastes better than eating or yes, something like something so bad. Toxic. <laughs> and that was people hashtagging it. Like nothing feels, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. That's what it was. And that is so, so bad. And obviously then you, it puts your whole self-value into the way you look, which we cannot control. And I think oh, it's just, it's so upsetting to think back to that. And Especially as a model, like that's what your priorities are is your aesthetic and the way that you look. And that's kind of how you are going to make an income. No wonder there was such an emphasis on that. And I think that's, that's incredible that you flipped that around. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's just one of those things that I, I, I hope that anyone listening to this that, you know, might think that their weight equals in some way their worth or anything to do with how they look matters. It, it doesn't matter. There's so many other things that we do as humans that make an impact. You know, there's I always think back to this silly, silly saying that I always say to myself, if my mind ever goes down that path again I think that's important to also express that it's definitely a journey and you don't wake up one day and think wow I really am fine with my body and I don't really care what it looks like it's a journey and you know sometimes I will still get those thoughts and I just say to myself when I you know at the end of my life no one is going to stand up and say oh you know Laura was a really great person because she was a size eight and you know her waist measurement was like that's just it's so funny to think about that but it It is sometimes you have to say you know the the most ridiculous things to yourself in your head to get those voices out um and kind of flick your brain back to thinking normally and and you know productively and positively about yourself because it doesn't matter what matters is is what we do and, and how we make others feel Absolutely. I agree with that sentiment so much. And I think, yeah, I love that how you've, you know, campaigned kick. It's all very um, about embracing the movement and doing things for your health and not the way you look. So I can tell you, you know, live and breathe exercise. What do you do exercise for? Is like, why is it, why are you so motivated to get up each day and move your body? What does it do for you? Oh, it just, it changes, it changes everything and how you feel. You can, you can wake up and feel, I mean, even this morning, for example, I, I knew I had this interview with you and I know that when I wake up and I run, my mind feels so much clearer and then I'm able to, sp- you know, I don't know if I'm making any sense here, but I find <laughs> that I, I make a little bit more sense after I've been for a run because I've been able oh, to totally. you know, de-stress, <laughs> de-stress my mind and, and clear my, clear my head. And so, for me, and especially through lockdown, I think a lot of people have re- kind of realized the benefits of exercise through lockdown because you can wake up and not be feeling good, be feeling really tired and lethargic and then get out and move. Or it might be inside, it might be, you know, doing a 20-minute workout in your living room, whatever you do, it can make you feel so good. And it just makes you, even, and especially through lockdown, I mean, there's not a lot that we can accomplish at home if we're not, you know, especially for a lot of people that aren't able to work from home, I feel so lucky that I can, but getting up and doing that workout is something that you can control. 
um, and then you've, you you can accomplish it for the day and you think, okay, I've got that done today for myself and I feel really good for it. So it's it's all about how you feel. And I think even through exercise, you know, through times when I've pushed and or I've challenged myself in myself in my workouts, I can then reflect on that feeling and use that when I need it in my work life or, you know, in any time in my life when I'm doubting myself because I think we prove a lot to ourselves in the gym and I, I know you know this too because you, you this is this is you know what you do but when you run a little bit further or you know do more reps or increase your weight you the in not your actual weight in your in your reps yes. um with the exercises you're doing you just you prove something to yourself that hey I can do this and I am strong and I feel good and that feeling is just the best feeling in the world oh so cool I yeah, I have said the very same sentence, I think, um, in, in you know, my kind of chats with people. It's just such a liberating feeling to say to yourself one time, like, I don't think I can do that, and then prove to yourself the next moment, like, with some hard work and dedication, I can do it and I can, you know, build myself up. It was really uh, a very pivotal moment for me as uh, I think it was about 18 when I really really discovered that and was one of the first times I developed self-respect for myself as as a young person. So it definitely had the same impact and I really align with everything that you just said. Um, I, I, I train every day, um, get my body moving and um, yeah, I, I think that's wonderful that you're getting to live that in your day-to-day life and also promote it and encourage it for other people as well, especially young women. Uh, on this podcast, Laura, I started this earlier this year and um, I've had my Instagram since 2012, pretty much when you could get it. And, uh, you know, it's always been somewhere where I was pretty open, but I think I started this podcast to be to take a deeper dive in my vulnerability. And um, my listeners know that I live with CPTSD and anxiety. I've had a traumatic experience uh, growing up and... I really wanted to stop kind of filtering my story and really showing up a lot more to create that connection. And I feel like on Instagram, there was only a certain depth I was willing to go because like you said, there's idiots out there and I was just didn't feel as safe as I do on this platform. You have shared that you experience anxiety. So I would love and appreciate so much if you feel comfortable doing so to share what your anxiety feels like, how it shows up for you and how you navigate it. Particularly, I think it's timely to share how it may be affecting you during these times. Yeah. And and I think, I mean, I think it's absolutely amazing, firstly, that you are so open and talk, you know, the way that you do on this podcast and, and use it as I just, I think people like you make others feel, and, and I'm listening to your podcast this morning with, with Vic about your money story and how open you were about it and, and where you came from and how, you know, you didn't come from a lot of things. You had to work to do what, you know, to get to where you are and it wasn't given to you. And I think a lot of people look at successful people and they think, wow, I could never do that. I could never be them because I don't have the traits or I wasn't from this family or, you know, I didn't do this when I was younger. And I think the more we can speak about the fact that that's actually not the case and, you know, how you opened up about that this morning, I think it's so special because people listening would think like, wow, you know, I've had, you know, a more unconventional uh, life growing up, but 
I could still be successful and I am successful and I can be. So mm. I just want to say thank you because I absolutely oh, loved I listening that. to that this morning. And I, it's it's hard to speak about your relationship with, with money in a public forum. So I thought I thought that was amazing. And, and I think that's why I try to speak as openly as I can about my, I suppose, relationship with anxiety. It's been for me, I think... I haven't always experienced it. It's kind of come about in the past few years. I think I always thought the more successful kick became or if we did X, we achieved X, then I would stop feeling it because then I would feel that I was successful. So I think my anxiety plays into my life in, in a few ways. Firstly, in work, in with self-doubt and always being that voice and that worrying that I'm going to do. I think for me, it's especially in the way that the world is now and I feel like there's some productive things about this positivity and then also some things that are quite hard but cancel culture is very real obviously as we know and I I think also because you know kick has, has got to, to where it has and I'm, I'm we're so proud of it but then also at the same time I'm so conscious of how I felt as a young 17 year old that I would never ever ever want you know struggling with or 18 struggling with what the way my body looked and you know having pressure from social media I never want anyone to feel like that so I feel like I put so much pressure on myself and you know anything that I write I'll reread it a hundred times it's going to go out publicly because I'm so scared of doing the wrong thing so I think that's something that holds me back a little bit but it's something that I mean it means I care a lot that's something that um there's a Dr. Jodi is, is an amazing psychologist and she's what she says about anxiety I think is quite beautiful and she says you care because you care and that is a really positive way of framing it and I think it's nice to reflect that way because often we think about it as something so negative but I think it really means that we care so much and then the other way it plays into my life is two things so one is with I have got this is quite random but I've got a nut allergy I'm anaphylactic to nuts, to some nuts. Mm -hmm. And so I've gone through a stage where my anxiety has been so bad that I can't, especially when I was traveling a lot, I couldn't eat anything on the plane. Like literally even the only thing I could eat was was fruit because I knew there was nothing in it because I would the whole time think I was having an anaphylactic reaction that I was going to die. So there's that type of anxiety as well. When it, I, I think it's when I get really stressed and the work anxiety kind of plays up then the other ones kind of go on to swing in it of course exactly exactly right so that that's the other side of it that um I think I mean I think a lot of people speak about their anxiety that holds them back from you know and makes them doubt themselves and all those things but I think it's important to acknowledge that it exists in in other in other ways as well um yeah and it's just that voice in your head that makes you think that whatever you know the pro it's it's hard because for me, I'm very, I, I like maths. I'm very focused on statistics and things. And I find it interesting that I can't, in the moment when I'm being completely irrational in my thoughts, you know, and I'm on the plane and I think I'm going to die, I can't realize the fact that 
the chance of that is like 0.0000001%. But in the moment, your rational thoughts, they just, I mean, I mean, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yes, exactly. Um, And I think a lot of people, a lot of people experience it. I think it's just important to to note that if you are going through that, it doesn't mean that you can't be successful. It doesn't mean that you're not enough or that you're weak or anything like that. It's just something that a lot of people deal with. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's so valuable and valid to know that just because you're a statistical person doesn't mean you can have irrational thoughts. So much of my anxiety is intrusive thoughts and they're completely, completely like the chances of them happening are like one to a billion, but they Mm -hmm. still come and it's watching them come, watching them go and not letting it define you in that moment and meeting yourself with self-compassion, which you are obviously doing. But I think, you know, going back to your initial, uh, the first anxiety that you have, like I think that is such a common one in this day and age where we're navigating social media for the first time for a lot of us because it is a growing platform. No one's ever been in your position before um, yourself in terms of like, wanting this message to be so clear to young people and holding that so that that importance and you being a role model that is so much pressure and then like you're saying every time you want to share and create content and just um you know make a flippant uh caption there is there is a lot of weight there there is a lot of opinions and a lot of minds reading that so you know it is a, such a difficult uh space to navigate and i think you know I, I appreciate and love that you care. Um, I've got two daughters and I want people to be more aware and more like, you know, conscious when they do write a caption about their body. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, what you do is so lovely and so thought out. And um, I, in my research with you, I heard so many people refer to you as sunshine in human form. And I was like, that's what a beautiful sentiment um, and it seems so accurate. So, yeah, I want to leave you with our last question, Laura, and that's during the hardest times in your life, what's something that you learned about yourself that you didn't realise before? That's an amazing, I knew this question was coming, but it's, it's, now it's here. I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I, what am I going to say? And also thank, thank you for, for what you said before. That's so, so kind to hear. I think for me, I've learned a few things about myself in those times. One is that I should never make decisions when I am in a period of extreme self-doubt. It's not good. And I think it's a time when, and I mean, that's an example of vulnerability when you can be taken advantage of. And so I think it's really, really important to protect yourself in those times and ensure that you're surrounded by people that want the best for you and care for you because that that's how you're going to be protected when you are that open and, and vulnerable. I, I think that. as well... It's oh, the, thank you. I, I think I think as well. The other thing is that in those times, it's important to remember, and it's really hard when you're in it. But the sun will rise tomorrow. I think the sun is the sunset, and, and the sunrise is such a beautiful way that nature and and the world. I'm not very spiritual usually, but the, with the sun, I just feel this connection, and, and it just reminds me that you know tomorrow the sun, no matter what happened today the sun will still rise tomorrow and it will be a new day and then you can face what, you know, is is coming at you at, at that time. 
And I think especially if things are going, if you're going through hardship in your work life, it's important and with your career, it's important to try and focus on the things that are amazing in your life, you know, your family, the people around you, all the other, the things that we usually take for granted um, and, and we are so lucky to have. And then lastly, I think you need to think of the worst thing that can happen in, especially in a work sense at that time. And usually the worst thing, once you, well, I find once I face the fear of the worst thing that could possibly happen, I'm then able to navigate my way out of it because I face my biggest fear. Mm-hmm. And then I know, I know the whole time that the worst thing can ha- that can happen, I've already faced it and I'm already come to terms with it. And now I can just move forward on trying to, you know, get a positive outcome. And I think that helps me as well. Does that answer the question? I'm not really sure. (laughs) Yes, that's perfect. I think it's just about sharing with people, you know, what you didn't realise about yourself and and finding that inner knowing when when push comes to shove and you're under pressure. So that was perfect. Thank you so much for coming on today, Laura. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It was so nice to chat. And I hope one day we can we can meet in real life. And I can come to the spin studio in real life too. It looks so cool. Yeah. Oh, I think they love having you here. Um, yeah, well, I mean, who knows what's gonna happen with our borders and everything, but I, I very hope true. That, um I hope that it's sooner than later. And I've got my fingers and toes crossed for you in November. But regardless of the outcome, I think it'll be a lovely ceremony, no matter how big or small. For you and Downton. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Empowered. If you aren't following Laura already, I recommend you do so. Her Instagram handle is at laura.henshaw. If you enjoyed this episode of Empowered, please let me know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to hear more, I release an episode every Monday. You can keep up to date with the podcast via our Instagram at empoweredwithrevy. And without further ado, here is our affirmation of the week. Please take a deep inhalation, relax and repeat after me. I give myself permission to nourish and celebrate myself. That was lovely. I love you guys. Have a great day. Bye.